0: What's going on, guys? Welcome to the first episode of the NBA's Most Valuable Podcast. I'm your host, John Gallardo. And I'm Jeffy Tram. Welcome to the first episode. We've created this podcast in order to express our love for the sport of basketball.
1: This podcast is inspired by our conversations about basketball that we have on a daily basis. And we figured we could record it and post it online for people to listen to.
0: So, Jeff, how have you been?
1: Not too bad, man. How about you?
0: Yo, I'm chilling. Even though it's cold, but I'm still chilling. Crazy. So, we're just gonna get into a little bit of ourselves before we get into the episode. So, how about we start off with you, Jeff? Who are you, and where are you from?
1: So, my name is Jeffrey. Uh, I'm a fourth-year journalism student at Carlton University. Um, I have interests in sports, music, social activism, politics, um, and cu- and of course, basketball. I'm a big basketball fan, big NBA fan, big Raptors fan, Um, but I just love the sport of basketball overall, and I just love to have conversations about it, and I think that this podcast would be a good platform to share my knowledge.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm John. I'm from the Toronto area. I was born in Toronto, and I'm from Brampton, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, anyways, um, I like basketball a lot too. I've been watching since I was a young kid. Uh, I was a big Raptors fan from, I want to say, 2010 till now.
1: Bosch's last year.
0: Bosch's last year, yeah. That's when I started getting to it heavy. But I, I want to say I'm trying to graduate from a fan to a journalist because I, I want to try to report things more objectively without a bias. Although, to be fair, a lot of journalists in the profession, especially in the NBA in the NBA world, they sort of have their own biases with um players Players, teams we know Stephen a smith loves the knicks so on you know and hates them at the same time and and hates them yeah (laughs) because it's a source of his agony so i'm trying to graduate from a fan to more of a journalist covering this kind of stuff but it's always hard when you've been like a raptors fan your whole life almost and it's like a religion to you so i'm trying but yeah, we've just created this podcast to talk about basketball mostly. We would have these conversations about basketball all the time in our in our journalism classes here in Ottawa and we're just like, "Hmm, why don't we try turning that into a podcast?" So that's what we've done and hopefully you guys stay tuned to listen to our conversations. So with that in mind, we're going to get into some of the some of our topping point talking points talking points today. We're going to talk about some contenders, some contenders in the NBA.
1: To m- my opinion, the Sixers were more dangerous last year.
0: I'd have to agree with you on that because the Sixers, honestly, if the Raptors didn't knock them out with that miraculous shot, they probably would have gone to the finals. Maybe you don't know because yeah. they they matched up well with Milwaukee last year too. But if you think about it, last year, J.J. Redick was so important to their team, especially because he had such good chemistry with Joel Embiid on the offensive end. Like, their handoff screens, where J.J. Redick would just pull up off the top of that screen, that play was like one of their bread-and-butter plays. And
1: even if he hasn't having his greatest shooting night, his presence on the floor... As a
0: floor spacer. Yeah. It's very big, very big. So, you can expect the Sixers to... I guess struggle a little bit more than usual just because they don't have the spacing.
1: Well, that's why they desperately need to make a trade. So we'll definitely see if they actually target JJ Redick or somebody of that uh, that
0: position. And can I just say, I'm very disappointed in Ben Simmons. Not that I'm a Ben Simmons fan or not that I even like the Sixers in general, but Ben Simmons, if he doesn't develop at least a decent mid-range shot in the next two years, this is a hot take. But I think he's going to get traded. I've always liked his potential. Um, I've seen I,
1: he does have a Magic Johnson esque, LeBron esque playmaking ability and IQ. However, what stunts his potential and his value on the court is his lack of ability to shoot, which is a fundamental part of the game.
0: He's hurting his team because he's put together with Joel Embiid, who's usually in the block right just clogging the lane and ben simmons is a slasher type player like he would benefit more from a system where shooters are around him and he's the ball handler at all times
1: like i know like this wouldn't happen but just an ideal fit for him probably would be like a denver nuggets Ooh. because you have a playmaking point uh center in nikola Jokic, jokic and then you can have ben simmons just cut 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 that would be kind of nasty. But the thing with Ben Simmons is he has the potential. Like if he had a shot, he'd be a top ten player in this league. No doubt. But the thing is, he 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 hasn't. He doesn't have that shot. He hasn't developed the shot,
0: and it's it's stunting his potential. And I mean, those of you in the comments section that are gonna say, "Oh, Ben Simmons hit a three this year." Well, he needs to shoot. At least out like mid-range shots to a consistent degree he needs to do that in order to space the floor at least a little bit for his team and if he can't do that then the Sixers aren't gonna get over the hump and then either Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons is gonna get moved
1: well I mean he should look at Giannis for example Giannis didn't have the uh, obviously came into league with not, not much of a shot but since he developed it even if it wasn't like the best it needs to be respectable people because it was respectful to the point where people had to actually guard him which gave allowed him to be even more of a threat to drive because if you are a guy who has is no threat to the three point line then people can just back off and sag but if you have that threat that you can shoot even if it's one out of 6 people are mm. going to come up and put a hand up or at least try to because the thing is with um with with Giannis like he, he didn't care that he was getting air balls and I think Ben Simmons I think that's one of his issues mm. I think that he's afraid of being on Shaq and a Fool and he's that's mm. why he's not attempting those shots but I'd rather have a guy Giannis who he would get some air balls here and there but at least he's attempting and now look at him he has a respectable shot not the greatest,
0: but at least he's trying to develop it. You can say the same about Pascal Siakam over the last couple of years. When he shoots, his, when he shot his threes in, yeah. like, 2016, 2017, it was painful to watch because you knew it was going to break. But look at him now. He's a 39% three-point shooter on good efficiency with, like, decent volume. But we're not asking Ben Simmons to be, like, a 40% three-point shooter in, like, the next two years. Of course not. He just needs to be at least, like, percent, You know
1: we need to see an effort that he's actually trying to develop the shot exactly
0: That's that's the biggest thing that's frustrating about this guy, but honestly we spent too long on Ben Simmons We need to move on we're gonna quickly talk about the Celtics and the Rockets So first off with uh, our friends in Boston. How do we feel about them? well cl- Clearly they're a better team than the Raptors
1: Oh, well, I was just talking about a better team. I don't know. Oh, well, then the
0: Sixers. Okay. Well, okay. just a
1: better team than last year's team. Because okay, of the okay. fact that Kyrie left and now you got a guy in Kemba Walker who's not, skill-wise, not, not
0: quite Kyrie,
1: but a better fit because of exactly. personality. Yep. Um, And I would say that it's helped Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown excel and reach their potential more. And that in itself is very, very valuable. So you have a guy in Kemba Walker who's almost as as Kyrie skill-wise but his added value is bringing up the potential of the young guys which Kyrie couldn't do which makes the Celtics a better team. Um, And even losing Al Horford like...
0: They've managed without him.
1: Managed without him and they just look like a very, very nice team. Nice fit. Um and they look more dangerous than last year last year i didn't take them seriously
0: no with all the drama of kyrie and everything you, you couldn't really take them seriously
1: but now they i see them as a team that like they have the their young pieces are pl- starting to play their potential
0: i'd have to say right now i would have to pick the bucks the celtics and the miami heat as like the three favorites to come out of the east
1: so let's talk a bit about miami miami is a very interesting team so you have a guy in jimmy butler who T- they stole from the Sixers um, and then you have Tyler Harrow who's a young guy Chris Nunn who's a decent piece Kendrick Nunn sorry Kendrick Nunn sorry Kendrick Nunn yeah um, and then we you have of course the biggest surprise
0: is uh, Bam Bam Adebayo yeah wow he's a really special player like just the way he can defend on the perimeter as right. like a six nine center and he can still manage with the bigger centers too but I think the most surprising thing from Bam has been his playmaking. He's like one of the top assists, assist mans in the, in the center position. I think he might be third in assists among centers. And that puts him in an elite category. Like you're talking like the Marcus Gasols or the Nikola Jokic's. Like if you have a player like that on, on your five spot, it really makes your offense more dynamic. And I think that's what's changed this season with Miami. They just added a lot of shooters. Like, Tyler Hero, as you mentioned. Devin Robinson's a really good name to mention there. He's a sniper. And then you got the leadership of Jimmy Butler and the toughness of him. You got Justice Winslow in his defense. He's been injured. He's been injured. But when he comes back, he's a weapon for them, too. Because he plays a point guard now. Yeah, he's
1: he's like a he plays several positions. Um, but I would say that with Miami, I was really surprised, like, when they made the Hassan Whiteside trade in the off season. But because I viewed him as a pretty good shot blocking center, but I guess I see what they were trying to do when they tried. they were
0: somewhere. trying to get faster
1: I think. faster and they wanted to give Bam a chance mm-hmm. and it was a good thing and it paid off. And also give credit to Miami's coach Eric Spodri.
0: Yo shout out to Spo he's like half Filipino just <laughs> shout out to that but anyways yeah um, and then let's just talk about the Raptors. Uh, Can the we April talk time. about the Rockets first though? We need to talk about them really briefly.
1: Okay, sure. We'll talk about the Rockets too.
0: So, the Rockets, they've been kind of, um, I don't want to say up and down, they've been kind of like middle sort of. They're, sometimes they're talked about as like, oh yeah, they're going to be like coming out of the West this season. And then the next day, they like just lose. Thing is,
1: James Harden's probably the
0: best, like, pure scorer today. He might be the best offensive player of all just time. Just
1: pure scoring, like, just offensive, like, he's just a machine. Like, he's averaging crazy numbers, 37
0: a game. He's, like, right now, his, his records that he's, like, on to break right. or, like, on par with, he's on par with Will Chamberlain. Will Chamberlain, if you, you youngins don't know, he's a guy that scored 100 points in a game. And some people have said that maybe James Harden one day will score 100, which I wouldn't put it out of the question. But this guy, he's a a once-in-a-generation type offensive player. Like, if you put him in your offense, you're going to score a lot of points. Let's just leave it at that.
1: Well, and then you had the fit with Russell Westbrook. And the thing is, with both of these guys, like, Harden gets those points, but he also takes a hell of a lot of shots. And then you add a guy in Russell Westbrook who... In his role with the Rockets, it's slightly diminished. I think he's accepted the fact that he's going to be the secondary guy. But if that's two high-volume
0: shooting uh, guards. They're two of the most ball-dominant players of all time. That's, like, facts. Mm-hmm. It's like if you put Allen Iverson with, like, fucking Kobe Bryant back in the day, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's kind of what's, what's happening here in Houston. So I don't know if they're ever really going to if they're ever going to really figure out the fit between those two because it's definitely awkward and a lot of people speculated that from the beginning of the season that would be an awkward fit so the only thing I thought of back then in September was like oh well what if they stagger their minutes is which what they that's what they do but at the times where Westbrook and Harden need to play together and Harden is dominating the ball as the primary ball handler Russell Westbrook doesn't have the best shot in the world to be a threat so defenses can just sag off of him and double Harden or whatever but Harden's made do with like other shooters on the team like um, House and uh, Ben Macklemore shout out Gordon. to him Yeah, and Eric Gordon he's been injured a little bit lately
1: yeah but he's always been like a valuable piece when he's healthy yeah and, and then just Clint Capella having that guy who can block shots and then be the recipient of a lot of passes
0: so they're definitely I'd say they're one of the dark horse teams in the West. I wouldn't pick them to come out of the West, but they're it it really depends on who they're matching up with and sort of how Westbrook and Harden are meshing together on the Most court. Most importantly, if Harden can play in the postseason well, exactly. That's one of his been one of his biggest knocks. Like he's regular season, he's one of the best offensive players of all time, but then there's some t- times in the playoffs where his high-volume shooting has hurt him, and it's hurt his team. That's one of his biggest knocks, so if he can figure that out, it'll definitely help out his legacy. But if he can't, then, well, it's going to be with him for the rest of his career if he can't.
1: Okay, so are we those are like in? our big contenders, and we have some just like interesting teams. Uh, the Raptors would be one of them.
0: Yep. Um...
1: What do you think of them
0: honestly I thought the Raptors or I think that the Raptors right now where they are is where I expected them to be but I expected them to be where they are as a healthy team so if anything they've exceeded my expectations because they've taken a lot of losses due to injuries or scheduling I mean L's and L's still regardless but you have to take that into account when you're assessing these teams so in the case of the Raptors, I would say that they've been very surprising in the fact that they've gotten younger guys to, st- to step up, like specifically Terrence Davis II, he's really good, really, really good, undrafted player that cracked the rotation of the defending champs, I mean, he's, he's that guy, and he's had some up and down moments, like recently, Nick Nurse said like, oh, he played three minutes too many when he only played like, what, eight minutes? one game and then the next game he had a career high so I think it's definitely a good opportunity for all these young guys to step up and some other names to mention Chris Boucher Boucher. he's really stepped up like notably the thing I remember from him this so far this season is his performance versus Dallas in the 30-point comeback Mm -hmm. he was really key in like guarding Porzingis in that game I want to shout out to O'Shea Brissett Uh, Syracuse alumnus and well actually I don't even know if he's an alumnus but he went to Syracuse and he's from Canadian Canadian. I think he's from Orangeville so shout out to him and just the energy he provides on the defensive end like this guy is crazy he's just jumping all over the place hands flying deflecting balls grabbing rebounds like this guy he's all you can ask for for an energy guy
1: Another player I, I really, really like, um, ronde Hollis Hallis-Jefferson. Mm-hmm. He played for the Brooklyn Nets. He has that grind in him in that he's very... He's undersized, but he's very tough. He's got that work ethic. He gets those offensive rebounds. And I think that's... He's a big part in inspiring the mentality of the team that even when we're undermanned, we got to fight and we got to... You know, grind for that ball and rebound and do the the small things to win those games.
0: It's and that the- junkyard dog mentality.
1: Right, right. And I- I've always been a big fan of him. I thought he's been a great fit for the Raptors. Um, in terms of the team in itself, when they've been healthy, they've been an elite team. No doubt, healthy because you got a Siakam who's contin c- uh, continually growing, developing, getting better, and now he's an All Star. He hasn't. I mean, he hasn't been confirmed yet, but he definitely is going to make the All Star team this year.
0: He's might even be a starter. He's going to be
1: a starter. Yeah, um, and then you got a guy like Kyle Lowry, consistent All Star, the leader. I'm all this knock behind Kyle Lowry has been so funny because the thing is, he's always been consistently been a good point guard. He's been the leader. He's hit consistent shots. He's he's in a way underrated. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, I definitely agree that Kyle Lowry's underrated because Kyle Lowry, if you look at the success that the rappers have had in the last decade from like 2014 till now, all those years coincide with Kyle Lowry's best years. Like I think either Leo Rowdens or Jack Armstrong said it, said that. So I don't understand why Kyle Lowry's gotten like so much criticism in the past, although you could argue that it was fair since his performances in the postseason were kind of up and down. But I think after this past season, Kyle Lowry's earned that respect around the league from almost all the media members and players. I
1: mean, he had 26 and 10 in the final game, right? In the NBA Finals. Yeah, he, he
0: was shooting in the first he, quarter.
1: In the first quarter, he like hit like two or three, three, uh, three 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 six in a row?
0: Yeah, that yeah. boy was on fire.
1: Man, that was nice. And then we still have a guy, Marcus. All who is underrated too because uh, people don't talk about his value on a defensive end.
0: Yeah, a lot of people just like to focus on his poor shooting, but the value he brings on the defensive end and as like a playmaker at the center position, Mm -hmm. not a lot of teams have that. Mm -hmm. Not not a lot of teams can find a center that can provide both. Exactly. If his shooting was like on point two, then honestly the Raptors would be even better than they are right now. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, we also got a guy in O.J. Inouye who, he's making some growth, but I
1: want him to, I feel like he still has another step to take. Like, I think that he could be even better than what he is right now. Um, he's just, he's, I mean, he, he did have an off year last year only because of difficult circumstances, but now he's got like this full season of consistent starter, and he's just got to continue to grow, and I still believe in him.
0: I wish the guy that got more playing time was Matt Thomas, because I feel like, If he got maybe 15 minutes a game he would be averaging like 12 points maybe
1: he could be that kyle korver that jj reddick fit
0: because the way he the way he shoots it's just it's so beautiful to watch like that shot is so pure and he'd probably play more if he was a better defender although i think he's a little bit of an underrated defender he he understands team defense is fairly well and he moves pretty well for his athleticism but if he makes more improvements on that end, I could see him get a lot more time next season. And, I mean, if you just put
1: him on the court with uh, really long, lengthy, good defenders like OG, Siakam, or Boucher, then I think that you can get away with putting, giving him those minutes because his value in the shooting end is really needed.
0: Right. So, moving on from the Raptors talk, we're just going to talk about some surprises we've seen so far this season. I mean we got to start off with the 20-year-old phenom from Slovenia, Luka Doncic, Mr. Magic Man himself. What do you think of him so far?
1: He's been getting numbers that that are even better than LeBron's during his early age, and it's been very, very impressive. He's literally made the Dallas Mavericks a playoff team. I would say they're a playoff team. They are. Um, And... He's putting up these historic triple doubles, these big scoring games. He's been valuable in carrying that team. Because Borzingas, he's even though he's a bit, he's a good player, he still hasn't been his his uh, hasn't lived up to his potential yet. So with the Mavericks, it's basically the Luka Doncic show,
0: and he's living up to the hype. I'll say this about Luka. Even since last season, I didn't see him as a surprise. When he went third overall to the Hawks and then got traded for Trey Young, I was thinking, man, all these teams that pass on Luca made a big mistake. Big mistake. And I'll, I'll say this. He's different from all the European players that have been drafted in the lottery over the last 10, 15 years. Like if you think about it, you look at Andrea Bargnani, yeah, sure, he was drafted first overall, but he never really panned out, and Europeans have always had that stigma since. But if you look at Luka Doncic's career before he went to the NBA, he was playing in pro leagues with grown men when he was 15 years old. And I know a lot of people have reiterated this point, but I don't understand how you pass on a guy like that. He was the EuroLeague MVP. He won EuroLeague championships when he was a teenager. When I was a teenager, I was just like screwing around in high school. And this guy's winning EuroLeague championships, EuroLeague MVPs at a young age. This guy's a basketball phenom. And when you look at his trajectory from last season to this season, yeah, okay, it can be a little bit surprising. But the way Luka Doncic is playing right now, and I know people on ESPN have talked about it, but he might be one of the greatest players at his age, like at 20 years old at what he's doing. He can be considered one of the greatest. And I don't want to get ahead of myself because... Like low key, I'm a big Luka Doncic fan, but I think the trajectory he's going right now, he's already got a pretty good case for the Hall of Fame. Because the Hall of Fame, they look at almost like all accomplishments across basketball. So whether that's international play, Olympics, or your like contributions off the court to the sport or in the NBA. And Luka Doncic already has his pedigree in the Euro League. And if he keeps winning, if he keeps adding those accolades in the NBA, this guy is going to be a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer.
1: Well, barring that, he's healthy, of course. That's um,
0: that's the that's the hope because I don't want him to end up like Drazen Petrovic or like any of these like guys that you you looked at when they were young. and You're like, damn, this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer. Like I don't want to I don't want him to end up like D Rose or like Penny Hardaway or Grant Hill. Like this guy has potential to be one of the top five to three best players of all time in my opinion that's just dependent on his development from now till the end of his career obviously but that's why I'm so excited about Luka Doncic like I guess the way he is right now it's it kind of reminds me of when LeBron was you know 20 years old 19 18 years old he's like that new thing you know because LeBron's like coming towards the end of his career and it looks like Luka's primed to dominate the 2020s and even the 2030s
1: Well, in on your note about who would draft uh, anyone else other than Luca, he was drafted in the 2018 draft, and the guys he had above him were DeAndre Ayton to Phoenix and Marvin Bagley III to Sacramento. And then Trey Young. And then Trey Young. Trey Young. Oh, it was actually Jaron Jackson Jr. after Luca, and then it was Trey Young. So all those five were are all pretty good young players. But they're not Luca. They're not Luca. So if we could redraft, it would be Luka first, and then I would say Trey Young second, and then...
0: Maybe Jaron Jackson third. Yep. Jaron Jackson's a solid player.
1: Jaron Jackson's been a great player. uh,
0: I don't really know how to evaluate DeAndre Aiden or Marvin Bagley. I mean, Aiden was like an 18-11 player last year, I believe, which is okay, but...
1: He came back from suspension this year, so we haven't seen him that much yet. And Marvin Bagley, he's been injured a lot this season. Um, but they, I always see them as I'd have seen them from what I've seen. They've been decent players like fairly good players But not Luka again,
0: and that's the thing with the with this draft I'd say if you're looking at any trend the NBA has gotten over the last couple of years it's positionless basketball and Luka Doncic fits in perfectly with that because he's seven, and He's a point guard in a small forwards body. So like he can play the point point. But he can also play small forward, maybe even power forward if he gets better defensively.
1: The thing about Luca though is, I even I remember when he was drafted, the the knock on him, and I was watching his videos. Like he appears slow, but Mm. he seems effective. It's so interesting to me. He's not the most athletic guy. He's not LeBron James, so that's the one thing that LeBron James had over him. But to to combat that, I would say Luca's IQs was even better. Than LeBron's
0: I'll say this the about Luca too. Funny thing is that in his rookie season, he said, wow, it's easier to score in the NBA than it is to score in the EuroLeague. And I think that's because the EuroLeague is a much more physical league. Right. And I think the way he plays, too, he's not the fastest guy. He is athletic, but he's not LeBron, right? But he plays at his own pace. So you got guys just, like, running at the regular, like, NBA pace, and you got Luca just... He's in his own pace and he knows where to go he knows how to get to the spot before or after the defender so that already puts the defenders in like sort of a limbo and he just has a really good feel for the game like I was uh, I was having a conversation earlier with a colleague of mine and we were talking about the comparison between Luca and James Harden and the thing is with Luca is that just the way he plays it's more fun to watch because he moves so naturally this this guy was born to play basketball like, that's, that's just, like, the bottom line with him, honestly. He's like, if if there was a basketball Jesus, I think this would be him.
1: Right, right. Um, and then we could talk about some more surprises that we have. Uh, we could talk about Devontae Graham. What Ooh. do you think of
0: him? So, I've seen a couple Hornets games this season, and from what I've seen from Devontae Graham, he's been a pretty big surprise because... He was sitting on the bench like i don't even i don't even know if he was getting like rotation minutes last year and this year he's just come out shooting he's like he's a very good shooter from three-point range he's got deep range at that the only knock on him that i've seen so far is that he's not a great finisher so he needs to develop that ability in order to get to the next level but he's been a good surprise for the hornets and honestly the Hornets aren't far off from where they were last year with Kemba, which is surprising because people are expecting the Hornets to be like bottom feeders, but they've stayed afloat. And I think that's a credit to their coaching staff, that's a credit to their scouting department for filling in some gaps and the development of their young guys like Devontae.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that in hindsight, just thinking about it, like maybe it was not the worst move to not get, to give, um, give Kemba, up Kemba. the Max. I think that must have saw Devon, something in Devontae Graham and him and Terry Rozier been a decent fit they still have some terrible contracts namely Batum Batum uh, Marvin Williams
0: uh, Cody Zeller too maybe yeah yeah well, well. They're,
1: uh, they're in the rebuild. there's no expectations on that team uh, they, they definitely just gotta like continue to grow try to draft D- good this, e- this year
0: try well I don't want to talk about
1: tank but like just accept whatever happens with the team
0: like, let's be real though like it's hard for the Hornets to draft well when Michael Jordan is like part of their team if you know what I mean right like historically they've never drafted that well because Michael yeah. Jordan just picks the guys that he likes which I guess their only pick that they made that was really good was Kemba but honestly like their draft picks have been really trash
1: I can't even think of any off the top that have been notable so that's and they've been terrible for these years.
0: Yeah, they've been. I think they made the playoffs around the time when LeBron was still in Miami and like, they had Al Jefferson in them, but it's not like they were going to do anything anyway.
1: No, not at all. Right? I mean, actually, now they think about it, Michael Kidd Gilchrist was a bust in that sense. Like He, he did, didn't live up to his potential. He moment. was a good defender, but that's it. That's it. Still a terrible jump and shot. And he
0: was drafted behind Anthony Davis.
1: Yikes. Um, yeah. And then there's also um, Malik Monk.
0: Mm. He. Bro, I,
1: I thought he'd be so much better.
0: People were saying he was gonna be the next D Wade.
1: Very, very disappointing.
0: But yeah, like that's that's why the Hornets suck, honestly. Like, no knock on Michael Jordan. He's probably the GOAT. The goat in my opinion. Like As a others, player. As a player, but as an exec, he's probably like the worst.
1: <laughs> I mean, we've seen that. Players and coaches, Phil Jackson, New York. Like, oh
0: yeah, Phil Jackson.
1: Just, they're not meant uh, it's a different type of mentality different type of intelligence that you need to have when you're working as an executive of that nature running a team so
0: yeah you can say Jerry West has an up on Michael Jordan because Jerry, Jerry West okay. Jerry he's West he's, he's, a, he's a legendary executive legendary like you hear stories of him t- like working out Kobe like when Kobe was still like a 17 year old and yeah. Jerry West is like wow I've never seen someone this good at 17
1: he's almost his uh, his career as an executive... Almost, almost better than a player.
0: Yeah. Uh, the almost. only reason why I'd say he's he was better as a player is because he was made the NBA logo. Yeah. And, like, he, he basically paved the way for the next era yeah. in terms of, like, how the game should be played. Like, this guy was bombing from, like, 40 feet when he was in the, like, what, 60s and early 70s. So, yeah, shout-out to Jerry West. I mean, he he's a legend in himself, but... I guess now we'll move on to our All-Star picks to close out the show. So who do you think are definitely the locks for the All-Star game right now?
1: So I think we'll start just start with the starting lineup.
0: Of both East and West?
1: Yes. So for the East, I'll put Trey Young and Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry, my bias, I gotta put him in the All-Star starters. Um, Also the thing when you think about All-Star, the starting vote is it's fan vote so sometimes it doesn't have to be the exact like statistical thing it could also be a sentimental thing
0: but taco is not going to make it to the all-star no game. we're not
1: letting taco or alex caruso <laughs>
0: they're not making it
1: <laughs> like those are exceptions um but yeah kyle Lowry and trey young in the guard position um gotta put in there gotta put Giannis and probably joel mb to finish the east what's your east
0: my East, I'd have to say Trey Young has definitely deserved it, and I'm pretty sure he's got the votes. Um, I'm not sure who I'd put at the two yet. Giannis, maybe Jimmy Butler at the two. Giannis, Joel Embiid. I'm not sure if Ben Simmons is getting, getting any votes, he but Pascal is definitely going to make it. So it's going to be Pascal, Giannis, and Joel in the front court. And then you got Jimmy Butler, and I guess Trey Young. And then uh, what's your West starting five?
1: So the West gotta start with Luca, Luca, Luka in the guard. Um, whew.
0: Harden, James Harden has
1: to be Harden, yeah. And then in the front card you gotta put Kawhi, Kawhi,
0: LeBron, AD. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the voting right now. The voting leaders right now.
1: Yeah, I think that's the. Those are most of those choices are pretty
0: obvious. Those are pretty much locks at this point. But I think it gets more interesting when you talk about reserves because reserves are a combination of voting and like as well as like media members voting and also coaches. So a lot of the a lot of the insider perspective is different from fan perspective cuz obviously as we mentioned Taco Fall and Alex Caruso are not all-stars. I mean legends in quotations on in their own right just cuz they're like big memes. But who do you think are sort of the more unheralded players that deserve an all-star nod this year?
1: Like the players that are like on the fence?
0: I wouldn't say on the fence, I would say players that probably won't make it but deserve the recognition.
1: I gotta give credit to Jason Tatum, he's really stepped up from last year. I thought he was disappointing because everyone was hyping up Jason Tatum and then he disappointed a bit last year but then this year he's starting to prove his worth again so I would definitely say Jason Tatum. Um how about, about your, how
0: about on the West for you first like any unheralded unheralded guys
1: on the in the West uh SGA ooh OKC okay,
0: Canadian ties too
1: yeah he, i mean last night he just had 20 rebounds in a tri- his first triple 20, double
0: 20 and 10 i think he joined um Shaq yeah. as like the only or he surpassed Shaq as the youngest player to record a triple double or record a triple double of that nature i'm not sure about that but that's crazy. And, yeah, he, he definitely... He probably won't make it, but he deserves some recognition in that case. Um, I'd say for me, Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Fleet are kind of interchangeable for me because I think only one of them will make it. Right. I'd have to pick Kyle Lowry right now just because of the season he's having and he's keeping the Raptors afloat. I think he's for sure a lock in the reserves. Another guy that I would want to talk about is Damian Lillard on the West because although the west, you know, it's tough in the west and the blazers haven't done that well. I think Damian Lillard deserves recognition because he just he is who he is, you know. It's Dame time.
1: Another player actually I got to add, Chris Paul. Ooh, what he's doing with OKC. Man, people thought that like he would not even play.
0: People thought he was over the hill.
1: But I this guy, he's he he's, he's always been point guard for a reason point guard yes in the sense that he is the example of what it is to be a point guard and being a leader playmaking uh, taking the shots when needed he's he's and he's very very consistent
0: he's one of the most like efficient players I want to say yeah like just in terms of offense defense playmaking right he's like a guy you want on your team if you don't have James Harden right so Chris Paul is definitely a good one to note. Um, I don't know. If you mentioned uh, Jason Tatum, I think Jalen Brown deserves some recognition as well because some of the same knocks that Jason Tatum had, Jalen Brown had as well. Like They were talking about how his season last year was kind of disappointing, and you can kind of attribute that to Kyrie's disruption in the locker room, but this year he's having a really bounce-back season. No pun intended. And... Just the way he plays, he can really be a difference maker for the Celtics, especially coming this postseason because he's got the defensive like capability in terms of his athleticism, and he's improved a lot as a shot maker. So I think he, can, he might be able to snag a spot. It's either him or Tatum, I want to say, that's going to make it. I don't see both of them making it. Um, Bam Adebayo, too, has been getting some votes. And his stats aren't, like, you know, the flashiest. Like, he's not averaging, like, 20, 10, 5, you know. But the way he impacts his team, I could see him getting some nods from some coaches like, around the league.
1: And then also another player, uh, shout-out to the team that never gets talked about, Indiana, Sabonis. Mm. Sabonis is a good player. Um, he's been—him and Miles Turner have been sharing the front court, you know, both getting, But Sabonis has been laying it up more this season. And even when Victor Oladipo comes back January 29th, I think that he's just con- going to continue. And Indiana is another team that just, like, we, we didn't even talk about today. Just the fact that they could be a contender as well. They're just a fairly consistent team.
0: I feel like every year Indiana is just always there, like, towards the top of the East. And that's a credit to their coaching staff again you know good young pieces good young pieces that are developing then I got
1: Malcolm Brogdon and when Victor Oladipo comes back you got Malcolm Brogdon Victor Oladipo shout out to TJ Warren playing great
0: (laughs) even though he had his beef with Jimmy Butler
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah but even like pieces like Doug McDermott and
0: Aaron Holiday Yep. Aaron Holiday lit up the Raptors when they played the last time
1: just a very hard working young team and when victor their star comes back uh, you gotta watch out for them facts
0: and just on sabonis really quick i was a big advocate of the raptors picking sabonis in the draft that we me got me lithuanian i was like dang you we get sabonis like i don't know if you know his dad arvidas sabonis but this guy was like a legend in the in like yeah. in europe like i think if he played in the league like i saw some like crazy video on youtube about him but if he played in the league when he was drafted initially cuz he went over to the Blazers when he was like already past his prime over the hill like in his 30s or mid to late 30s. If he played when he was drafted and like scored as many points as he did in if he scored as many points as he did in the in Europe, he would be the NBA's all-time leading scorer by like 8,000 or 9,000 over Kareem. He would have like 47,000 points or something like that which is obviously there's a bunch of big what-ifs for that, but this guy was a legend. I think he as part of, um, I think maybe the United, the USSR team, they won a gold medal over the U.S. With, Sabonis, with Arvidas Sabonis leading the team. So looks like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree.
1: Right, and I remember that draft, and I believe we drafted Jakob Pertel instead. Yep,
0: we drafted Pertl over him but it, I guess it worked out because we traded Pirtle for Kawhi and then we got our ring, so. Right. Yeah.
1: But it would have been nice to have a bonus on this team.
0: Well, anyways, thanks so much for listening to this first episode of the NBA's Most Valuable Podcast. We're still learning the trade, but we promise we'll get better as we make more episodes and uh, get better at our craft. So you can find this podcast on Anchor and you can also possibly find it on Spotify if we figure out how to bring it up on there. hmm But anyways uh any last thoughts
1: no um, i'm very excited about this podcast i think that we have a lot to say we're big fans of basketball and thank you for listening
0: yeah and and definitely if anybody's listening out there and wants to leave a comment or give us ratings we definitely appreciate it constructive criticism is encouraged yeah we definitely because we want to get so much better at this like we you can listen to this right now and cringe i bet you've been cringing several times and we'll probably cringe too when we listen back to this like you know when we first uploaded and then a couple years down the line but that's where it is you know like you gotta start from a humble beginning and that's where we are right now and we're gonna end it off here so i've been john gallardo
1: and i'm jeffrey trim
0: and thanks for listening to the nba's most voluble podcast